You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. Content warnings for this episode include heights, falling, flying, darkness, pollution, environmental collapse, Possession, romance, flirting, complex and complicated relationships, trauma, fire, immolation, and references to sexual entanglement, alcohol, and substances. Arc 1, Episode 16 Pulls Deep the Cut From Self-Eulogy of a Martyr by Connie Chong The first thing... Maswu notices about the plunge is the refuse. A million tons of scrap compacted into ten square miles of floating debris that comprise the island's foundations. The plunge is made of rebar, ironwood, plastic, glass, fabric, horn, bone, anything and everything the settlement can get their hands on. Ten generations of resourceful jury rigging on the fringes of the Wild Sea have created an island where any salvage, no matter how rusted or broken or rotted, can be tacked onto its floating mass to sustain its junk-made half-life for just a little bit longer. The second thing Maswu notices is the plunge itself. This dense, ten-square-mile island is named after its most prominent geographical feature, a jagged, yawning fissure that plummets past the thrash into the tangle, perhaps even into the sink and the drown. Standing at the edge of the Dock of No Return, Maswu regards the plunge beneath him. It is a half mile long, but only a hundred feet wide and interminable fathoms deep. The sun burns cheerfully above the king's head, but its golden rays reach only a hundred feet into the gulf before the bristling shadows and thorn spiked vines of the tangle obscure his vision. The edges of the plunge rustle with vegetation. Emerald leaves, sap-smeared boughs. Beyond it, the verdancy extends for infinity. Somewhere out there, his lieutenant commander is soaring above the treetops with the rest of Maswu's scouting party, looking for signs of the oil spill. But here, on the dock of no return, upon a scrap-made island with its rugged denizens, Maswu has a gut feeling that the answer is looming right beneath him. As soon as that feeling crosses his heart, his mind is made up and his body reacts. The king of the Raya tucks in his wings and dives headfirst into the plunge. 
The local guide behind him lets out a single startled yelp that is immediately swallowed by an ocean of branches, leaves, thorns, vines rushing past Maswu like crooked iron bark fingers. Within seconds, the light is gone and darkness presses around his freefall. The smell of pollen and sap and bittersweet crezzerin rushing past his face, his nose, his skin, his hair. Masu doesn't know what he'll find down here in this cold, sweet darkness, but he does know he needs to find it. For the Raya, for the Wild Sea, for his husband, his wife, his daughter. And Masu does. He finds it. But the thing about it, the thing about the darkness, the ash, the flame, the oil, is that it finds him back. King Masu Zahar, the descendant of strength, the scion of body, and the power of the skies, stands at the threshold of the western doors. A thick, dark mane of hair spills past muscled shoulders. The thin braids at his temples are disheveled. His beard is several days old and unkempt. His piercing dark eyes are sunken with deep bags, creasing his dark brown skin. His white robes are patterned with clouds and rays of sunlight, but there are deep wrinkles in the fabric like he's been sleeping in his clothes. The claws extending from his feathered gauntlets wink sharply in the light as King Maswu steps into the banquet hall. On cue, the band resumes playing, the attendees go back to mingling, and a crowd of magistrates, nobles, and attendants swarm the newly arrived king. At an imposing six foot seven, Maswu towers head and shoulders above this adoring crowd. His sharp, tired eyes look into the faces around him without truly seeing them. This is a king distracted, exhausted, haunted. And he keeps rubbing at the corner of his eye. The king is here. All you need now is Prin Him Su Hyun. The scion of mind hasn't arrived yet, so your party has a little bit of time to spend before your plan is properly set in motion. We sweep across this banquet hall now to find each of you at the base of your entrance. Starting with Zainan, as you see King Maswu enter, what do we find you doing amidst your party? What are you up to? Zainan is just taking it all in. He hasn't spent a lot of time uh, on missions like this. He's not the person you think of when you think, I should send someone in for a diplomatic mission. But he can enjoy it while there is something to enjoy because the king is busy and the print is not here yet so he is uh, idly kind of listening and looking and looking at who has arrived and seeing the bright colors and feathers of the raya someone catches your eye it's not the print but it is someone who's quite tall basically as tall as the king, standing head and several shoulders over the crowd around them, you see Admiral Sahim Kumbra. Medium brown skin, 
gold gorget, muscular linen sash, intricate belt, and a ceremonial empty quiver strung across their back. Of course, live weapons are not allowed in this banquet hall. They're surrounded by these adoring looking military officials as well as civilians and magistrates of all kinds of ranks. And as your eyes lock on this admiral who's supposed to be out on the open wild sea, but is right here in front of you, they turn and all six of their eyes lock on you as well. And they lift two of their forearms and they kind of quirk a finger at you in a kind of come hither motion as they continue to talk to the crowd around them. What do you do? Zynan slowly, trying to be subtle about it, begins to make his way over to them. Lumira, you're with Singh. Zynan's right there. He's sidling off. Do you let him go? Yeah, Zynan's a grown-ass man. He can do what he wants. But I'm also <laughs> watching extremely intently. Like, I think mm. me and Singh are, like, leaned over close to each other. Like, what do you think? What do you think's going on? Yeah, uh, Singh's eyes are, are glimmering as she watches Zynan go off, and there's a little bit of a hope in them. And Zynan, as you leave, you hear Singh whisper at Lumira, oh, you know, I hope Zynan finds what he's looking for. Speaking of strangely pertinent advice that he imparts during crucial moments, I've got high hopes for what's going to happen next with him. And I think we pan in towards Zynan approaching the Admiral. And the Admiral kind of excuses themselves very politely from this crowd of adoring fans and people who want to schmooze with the Admiral of the Wild Sea, uh, of the Raya. They step off to the side and, and look at you. Two of their arms crossed and the other two propped on their hips. They smile casually down at you. Zynan Ash, what a pleasure to see you again. Admiral, it's uh, quite a treat that you're here. I thought you'd be out there still. Ah, yes, I suppose I neglected to mention that I'd be here, of course, for the ceremonial farewell banquet for the Tournament of Heirs, as befits my station as Admiral. Of course, uh, well, it's good to see you. You look, uh, well, you clean up nicely. Hmm. It's good to see you as well. And all six of their eyes appraise you, looking at, the, you know, the multi-layered jacket and tunic that you have on. I've never seen that style of robe before. It's lovely. It looks like it belongs on you. Thank you. Uh, how's it out there? Ah, it is how it is. We've sent a contingent of scouts to investigate that trail of oil slick destruction, but let's not talk business while we're here. Have I introduced you to my wife yet? I don't believe. So this is Lady Okami. And they hold out two of their arms and stepping into view is a gorgeous woman. Tall, curvy, light brown skin with long wavy snow white hair that touches her lower back. She wears a simple but elegant black dress with a dangerous slit up one thigh and her neck glimmers with jewels. She smiles at you, Zynan, with razor-sharp teeth. And you notice that her painted nails are razor-sharp as well. And next to her is a pinwolf. A pure white pinwolf with crimson eyes and two tails with a jeweled collar. Please, my friends call me Lady Ruka. You must be Zynan. I've heard so much about you. Charmed. And she holds out a hand for you to kiss. Pleasure to meet you. 
and Zynin is already holding a hand out, like scoops it easily and leans in with a very gentlemanly kiss and a somewhat crooked grin back up at her. I've heard so many interesting things about you, Zynin, from my beloved spouse. I wonder if half of those stories are true. Well, you know, the Wild Sea is an interesting place. Mm, indeed it is. I see what you meant by him, darling. He is quite a specimen. And, uh, I can't say that I have heard too much about you, but it's a shame because you are as lovely as is befitting your spouse. <laughs> oh, you flatter me. Darling, you were right. He is a flatterer. I like you. You're a wild sailor, yes? I am indeed. Mm. I am not myself, but my services help the Navy and other wild sailors who are in need of well-trained, loyal, vicious pinwolves. Like your friend here. Yes, Mrs. Frost. Sit. And Frost immediately sits. Zaiden straightens up a little when she says that. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Admiral <laughs> cocks their head to the side regarding the dynamic between you and their wife. And the Admiral says, I'm going to be here for a couple of days after the banquet before going back out to my fleet down north. I believe that my wife is quite interested in getting to know you better, Zynan. I would uh, be eager to see your work, ma'am, and uh, get to know you a little better as well. Both of you. Mm, likewise. <laughs> I'm always looking for more animals to break in. Zynan looks at, at Sam just kind of like at the side of his eyes and he is hiding just the biggest grin possible as he looks down to the ground. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I think shuffling up a little bit, bringing a very well-made but rather old and worn hat between their fingers a bit is Castell. Castell approaches the three of you uh, not wanting to intrude on this conversation, but the Admiral and their wife notice this approach and they kind of open up this like uh, circle to admit Castell. And the Admiral says, Oh, Miss Aguilar, how are the Triforodons? Ah, they're, uh, they're doing just well, Admiral. Thank you for asking. I was wondering if I could uh, steal Zanin for a little bit. Oh, uh, hello. Uh, do you mind? There's something I wanted to... Uh, talk to you about uh admiral uh, lady of kami and these two spouses kind of bow and nod politely right lady okami like nods uh, in a friendly manner toward castell seems like all of them know each other at least on very friendly business terms and right before you go off to wherever castell is bringing you to uh the admiral rests one of their hands on your shoulder for like a quick word before you go off zainan yeah be careful, will you? All right. What I mean is, not everyone approaches intimacy as a beautiful robe they can slip on or off. Some people take it rather seriously. Ah, uh, thanks. I'll uh, find you later. Yeah, their top two eyes flick over at Castell as they say that. 
Just be intentional about the choices you make, yes? I will, Admiral. They lift a hand from your shoulder and let you go. Castell leads you out of the immediate banquet hall, out of one of the open doors. You can still see the banquet from the gardens just beyond, uh, so you're not out of sight of the rest of your party. And they kind of take you to a nice isolated little rose garden that has a, a bit of a pavilion and some benches for you to sit down on. Castell sits on a stone bench. There are roses all around. It smells beautiful. And the evening is fully here. The twin moons high in the sky, right? Plumes of purple and pink light streaking through the cosmos above your head. Everything smelling like honeysuckle and nectar. And Castell turns to you, still wringing that hat a little bit between their fingers. They've dressed up as much as Castell, you know, could dress up for an event such as this. Hair still in that shaggy brown mullet, but with a comb run through it a little haphazardly a bit. So like the hair is not in her eyes fully. And she's got a nice leather vest on and nice collared tunic tucked into these like brown trousers and the same muddy work boots as always. I, uh... I hope I didn't drag you out of a particularly enticing conversation. I know everyone's quite eager to talk to the Admiral for one reason or another. Yeah, it was, uh, we made acquaintance out on the sea. It was nice to catch up with them. Uh, what can I do for you, Castell? I see. Ah, yes. Well, I, uh, forgive me if I come across as a little, uh, forward, but I felt a genuine connection with you, Zynan. A real one. I'm... I don't usually... I'm more comfortable with birds than most people, you see, so... That's a lot coming from me. I'd like to see you again. In a real way. If you'll have me. Uh... Listen, Castell, this is, uh... I, I also very often make better acquaintance with birds than people. Uh... Which is... Probably why I'm a bit tongue-tied, but, uh, I don't think I'm gonna be in Raya long. Oh? But you'll come back, yes? If I'm able, but, um, I am actually on a somewhat dangerous mission. Uh, <laughs> not to, uh, I don't wanna, I uh, hope I didn't mislead you. No, I mean dangerous mission or not, I, I I understand. I mean, I am a Triforidon trainer. These birds can go miles, miles, miles an hour. Wherever you are, as long as you're not on the other side of the wild sea, I, I'd like to see you again. The distance is no object. I can wait. Castell, I, uh, I also felt a genuine connection. But I'll... And Zynan stops. He has been kind of mulling over the same five words in this conversation since he sat down and he looks into eyes that seem very familiar, more familiar than even before they met. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm, I'm not someone you want to be with. Not really. What are you? Zynan, we've all got skeletons in our closets. <laughs> Nah, I burn down relationships. I burn them down. That doesn't scare me. I've been through my fair share of tumultuous partnerships, Zynan. But you and me, I... Look, I don't mean to be presumptuous, but... I assume we're similar in age, and... I'm sick of... Flings. 
of of things that are just shallow, of things that don't mean anything. I I'd like to settle down someday. And I'm not saying that that person's going to be you. Again, I don't mean to be presumptuous, but real intimacy, Zion, and something something real. Someone that I can share a ride on the back of one of my birds with someone I can, I don't know, have a nice life with. Isn't that something you want? Isn't that worth fighting for? Even if it's not with me, but for you. Looking into Castell's eyes, Zainan hears the flippant comment from Sahem on the ship. Hears the words of Naim. And the last thing he thinks of is Azalis. The smell of Dom cooking, the shape of home. And he looks Castell in the eye, sets his jaw. Castell, I can't. Because I can't love you. And that's what you deserve. I'm sorry. I see. You know, uh, I thought you were different. I thought you would at least be someone who would shoot straight and not do the whole it's not you, it's me thing. I understand. Castell, you... You have a good evening, Zynan. And Castell stands up, puts their hat on their head, gives you a curt Castell goes off into the darkness of the gardens. <sighs> They're gone. And Zynan just sits there, puts his head in his hands, forgets that he is on a mission, forgets that he should be worried about the princess, the prin, the rest of Nova. He just sits there in the garden and listens to the wind. Lumira. Sing has, if you'll allow her, taken your hand and tried to lead you to the dance floor. Of course. Yeah, I'll follow wherever she goes. You follow her hand, you follow her lead, right? She walks backward with like a big glimmering smile on her face and to, you know, the jaunty, jubilant, elegant songs and music and soundscape that the band is weaving, the two of you begin to dance. And you're not the only couples out on the dance floor, right? Swaying your bodies in tandem and in rhythm with each other. And even as Sing's dancing with you though, Lumira, you know her well enough to see a kind of heaviness weighing down the smile. Like the smile that she has on her face is taking a lot of effort for her to put on instead of just enjoying the moment with you. There's something dark and heavy on her mind as she dances with you. What's going on? (laughs) What do you mean? You might be able to fool a lot of people here. I am not one of them. So again, I'm gonna ask you, what is wrong? (sighs) And that smile falls as she lets that true emotion behind it through. And you see a knotted brow, you see worry, frustration, there's anger there. There's also sadness, irritation, and desperation just a little bit. (sighs) Lumira, I'm sorry. I, I really wanted this night to be good and to not think about just all this shit that's just, it's here. We we got in a fight while we were getting ready for the banquet, and I just, it's just hard for me to shake. So he did the typical sayer thing. Yeah, I guess he did do the typical sayer thing, which I don't even like 
saying, and I'm always the one who talks back to people who say that, and I... Uh, Doesn't make it any less of a fact. We care about him, but he tends to hurt more than he wants to. You're telling me. I know you understand this probably the most out of anyone about him aside from myself. It's just... I don't even know if you remember this, Lumira, but back on Storm Chaser, before we went up and came here to the Raya, I said that thing about not I'll even like noticing how close. Mid sentence. Yeah, she's spinning. <laughs> she's spinning as she's talking very seriously to you. I said that thing about not even noticing how close he and Abasi were getting to each other, but that wasn't true. That was a lie. Obviously, I noticed. Obviously, I saw. I don't know. I've always been the one that Sayers the closest to. You know, ever since we were kids, and he's always been the one that I'm the closest to, and I'm just scared of losing that, and I don't even know why I'm losing that right now. It just feels like he's mad at me for things that I- that's not even in my control, which is super ironic coming from him, of all people, or for things that weren't a problem before or that I didn't even know was a problem, or for things that I do because I'm trying to protect Same. him. Same. Same. And I think Lumira takes this time to, like, dip her. Is Sayer your brother? Or not? You know the answer to that question. And she comes back up as you undip her. We... And Lumira kind of even falters for a bit mid-dance as she's trying to formulate the words. Sayer does not... I have my own problems with him right now. I'm trying not to let them cloud what I'm about to say. He cares about you and you care about him. But at the same time, you two are two totally different people. I cannot articulate that enough. Maybe there's a point in time where the twins have to find what works for the twins sands and separate from the other. That doesn't negate what you feel for him or what he feels for you or make anything any less than what it already is. All it is is two people who came into the world together are now adults and they have to move accordingly. That's all. I know, I know. And thank you for saying that, Lumira. It's just... I want him to make friends. That's not even the problem, and I'm happy for him. But I'd be lying to myself if it wasn't nerve-wracking to think that someone else out there could be closer to him than I am. And it's not even, it is about that, but more than that, it's we came into this world together. For better, for worse, but together. And everyone has always said that, you know, I'm the chosen one and Sayer's just kind of there. Right? And that's what everyone says, but Lumira, deep down, there's a part of me that knows that's not true. That it's not just me, the chosen one, and Sayer, who's whatever. It's, it's, we're better together than we are apart. Fate made me, fate doesn't make mistakes. She made both of us for a reason. And that reason is good. I'm the chosen one. He's not just my shadow. He's my brother, and I love him, and I want him to be the him that he's always meant to be, but it's just so hard sometimes. 
I think you hit it right on the head. Fate chose you. They don't make mistakes. Just like fate gave you your mission, fate will give Sayir his as well. You really think so? I know so. Trust in her will, right? Trust in her will, yeah. Then in her will we trust. You have to have faith in that. She doesn't steer us wrong. You're right, Lumira, you're right. <laughs> God, I'm sorry for just dumping this on you. I wanted this to be a nice night between the two of us, and I know you have your own things going on, and we're on a mission, and everything. It's just... Sometimes it just feels like you're the only person I feel like I can be myself around, aside from Sayer. You and Sayer are the people I have known the longest. You're the only people that I've known. Truly. So... When I say I get it, I get it. But tonight, right now, no more talk of Sayir, no more talk of this, and we will enjoy our night together. Sound good? Sounds perfect. Enjoy our night together as not just friends. And Sing now kind of spins you, right? Gives you a nice twirl as the song comes to an end, like a nice kind of jubilant song. And then a next song bleeds in and it's kind of, it's a slow dance song. It's a romantic one. It's nice and slow. Other couples nearby start like swaying, right? Trios start swaying, groups of people start swaying together. Uh, and sing as she, you know, finishes twirling you and brings you back to her. Like the two of you are suddenly rather close again. And you feel Sing's hand like slide to the small of your back. She starts to pull you in for a closer dance. Lumira's breath hitches, like, so subtly. And she's, like, doing that thing where, like, she gets real tense and then lets, like, is, like, reminding herself, like, nope, don't, don't be tense, don't be tense, relax, relax, don't, don't be weird, don't be suspicious, don't be weird, don't be suspicious. (laughs) Uh, Sing pulls you in, right? Your hips, I think, are pressed together, right? You're so close next to each other, right? She holds you out for like a slow waltz. And as she does her eyes, those like brilliant, beautiful pink eyes boring into yours, they're all you can see. And you hear her say in a low, very genuine voice, you know, I'm so used to playing the perfect chosen one for being everything that everyone at trans wants me to be. But when I'm with you, Lumira, I can really just be me. There is no one in this multiverse or the next that I can be myself with either. Sing starts to lean in. Do you start to also lean in? Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Uh-huh, uh-huh, you start to lean in. And right before your lips meet, Sing freezes, and a darkness comes over her face. Wait, wait, something's wrong. Sayer, where do we find you in the banquet hall as Nova splits off? Why would you transition like that, Connie? <laughs> um, Answer me, Val. Sayer is with Abasi, and I think they both have the same pose with their arms crossed, looking at different parts of the banquet hall. Sayer was at first trailing around looking for the print, 
when that failed to distract him long enough, his striking blue eyes lingered on Sing and Mira when he felt his heart sink a little too much watching how happy they are, how easy it is, how freeing it is. He snaps over to look at where Zynan left and he kind of stares out the door looking forlornly like a pin wolf waiting for its next command. And I think he kind of like looks over to Abasi as his eyes linger back to the dad and just leans over and is like, you're not going to say hi to the, your old man? Abasi has a very similar look on her face to you. It's like the two of you just kind of <laughs> pouting and skulking yeah. on the sidelines of the banquet hall. I think suitors for Abasi have come up to the two of you, but she's just glared at them so hard mm -hmm. that they just like turned and, and left without saying mm -hmm. anything, right? And like you standing there like a mean looking guard dog as well. Yeah. Right? Like two Dobermans, <laughs> just her. Uh, no one approaches. Um, as you say that, Abasi arms cross, you know, kind of scowls off to the side, her eyes looking a little fretfully, sorrowfully, desperately, resignedly over at her father, who's still surrounded by tons of attendants and has not made his way over to his daughter. Yeah, I, uh, obviously I wanted to go over to my father and say hello and say, hey, it's me, remember? Your daughter, you know, your flesh and blood. But I've, I've decided, you know what? Up until the banquet, up until the prince gives a signal, uh, he's gonna have to come to me. Mm-hmm. I think that's sound, just in case anything pops off before then. Prince taking ages. Oh, but God damn, I, I just... I just want to go up to him and, and, and give him a hug because I'm scared for him, and I... This is just a lot, Seer. I get it. Like, I'm angry at him, but I know it's not his fault, but I can't help but feel like it's his fault, too, and I... You know how that feels? Sayer snorts, and then his gaze lifts up at the exact moment where Lumira dips sing during the dance. And he says, Yeah, yeah, I know how that feels. And it's like a part of me, a really selfish, wrong, I know, part of me, but still it's there, thinks that if he just, if he just loved me more than whatever this oil curse is, he'd be able to fight it off. And I know that's not fair. I know that's not what it is, but I can't help but feel that way. Sometimes the darkness is hard to shake off. It's not that they want to be in it. It's just always there, you know? Your father's going to be okay. We're here now. This plan is going to work. Okay? Thanks, Sayer. It needs to work. It's gonna work. You know, but enough about me pouting. You should be... Uh, she kind of lets out a sad <laughs> noise as she sees me looking at Lumira <laughs> and sing dancing. I'm not used to parties. Right. I'm super used to parties, you know, growing up uh, royal, tons of sorries mm -hmm. here all the time. You know, beautiful women around me constantly wanting to marry me. But, um... Yeah. The longer you look at those curtains, Armageddon's not going to pop up. You know that, right? What? What? Hey, that's not what I was thinking at all. Okay? <laughs> For the record, if I were wanting Armageddon to pop up behind those curtains, it would be so I could kick her ass in front of all these people. 
you know, for embarrassing me, standing me up. Now I know it probably wasn't her fault. She is on like a monk ship or <laughs> something, but why is she on a monk ship and not here? Like, is a monk ship seriously more interesting than me? I, I at least have the personality above that of a ugly sailing vessel, right? Abasi. What? There's a lot of things you learn being a, a fly on the wall, a shadow in a room. You you can tell the rest of these folks that you're a nemesis, that you're going to kick her ass. You can't fool me. We sparred together. That was your mistake. Now I know you too well. Uh, oh, yeah? Okay, well, we can take this outside, mister. We mm -hmm. spar together. And uh, you know what? Just you. <laughs> I'm going to get a drink. What do you want? I really like the thing that we had after training, that really minty cold thing. I don't know what it's called. Oh, the minty cold bomb. It's called minty cold bomb. Oh, yeah, I'd like that. That sounds fun. Excellent. Okay, two shots of minty cold bomb coming right up. I'll be right back. You stay right here. All right, I'm moving. All right. Okay, Abasi out. And Abasi turns and goes off to like uh, a drink table, leaving you alone for like a, a brief moment of time. Seer, and as you're standing there just by yourself, looking at your crush, uh, your crush, dancing with your sister, uh, <laughs> by yourself, standing there, it's just you, yourself, and your shadow. And you hear a voice whisper up from your shadow in a tone only you can hear. Uh, Seer? Hmm? It's me down here, Inga. Hi. Sayer glances down, and I think he sees, like, the movement of the shadow. And he kind of, like, I imagine he's close to a table, but he's maneuvered closer to the wall in the window now. Mm -hmm. Just so folks don't notice him talking to himself. He already looks odd. He doesn't need to look odder. And he leans down. He's like, hey, sorry. I know it's been an evening. Hard to chat here. Hey, it's fine. Totally fine. I, I've been watching, you know, like I said, keeping an eye on you, and I, uh, I know you've been gearing up for this banquet that's happening right now, you know, this dance, this ball, mm -hmm. and, and I noticed, you know, Abasi's gone off now to get your shot, and I, I was just wondering, I know you don't have anyone to dance with, so I thought maybe we could dance together? Us? I, I picked out an outfit. I'm wearing something that I've never really worn before. I've never been to a ball or a dance or a banquet or any kind of feast of any kind. No one's ever invited me before, you know, because monster and all that. I've never gone with a friend or had a friend before. This is all new to me, but I would really like to dance with you. You've never been invited to a party before? No. No, I haven't. But you're beautiful. Uh, uh, thanks. You're beautiful, too. Sayer's brain short circuits? I don't think he's heard a compliment like that before. And he kind of just, like, looks inquisitively over at the shadow at Yinghe, and he just says, Th Thanks. Uh, uh, and color comes to his face. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to dance with you, but... Um, one, I'm a real, I'm a real shit dancer. Uh, I don't, that's Sing's bag usually. Uh, but, but how? I can 
travel between planes by stepping through shadows. So I could step through your shadow and I could be there. You can be here. Yes. So you do know that keeping in contact, obviously, with someone from a previous mission beyond the mission violates Code 31, Section B of the Trans Handbook, endangering the fabric of the multiverse and your strike team's mission. You know this. Regardless, do you accept Yinko's invitation to dance, or do you turn him down? We're leaving it up to the dice. <laughs> okay. The dice has spoken. And I think Sayer doesn't say anything, but as the shadow ripples and maybe a part of Yingha appears, like a hand, Sayer just lifts Yingha up. <gasps> like it's instinct. A hand does come out of the shadow on the ground, and you lift Yingha out of this pool of darkness, and you see, well, the monster of the Moonkissed Temple still kind of light starved with this like dark hair, these bright silvery eyes, right? All angles and awkward musculature and jawline, but there's something more colorful about them as well. Something a bit more lively. It's the fact that they have a friend, they have few. And as their like dark hair kind of falls in their face and they rise up out of this pool of darkness, you see that they're wearing a really nice robe, all things considered. It looks like it's been woven from strands of liquid moonlight. It looks like a god gave them these robes. Uh, they just drape in a kind of glowing fashion across their lithe form and down onto the ground. They're not wearing shoes. Oh, hi. Hi. You're... Outfit matches your eyes. Your outfit matches your eyes. Sayer, I think, takes a look around. Guard dog mode has been activated. And he just loosens off his belt, his sash. And instead of it holding up his weapons, he just tucks his weapons on a, a belt on his back. And he just drapes it over Yingha's head. Strike team, no one know what you look like. This is to protect you. Oh, are they not supposed to know I'm here? And you see Sayer like hesitate. It's one of those things where you're going to have questions. And I want to answer you, but I can't. Just the less you know, the more I can protect you. Okay? Oh. Okay. I know that that was one of the rules you established about our friendship, so... Okay, yeah, I, I won't ask anything. And he kind of, like, tries to drape this veil over Yingha mm -hmm. properly, and he goes, I'm sorry. Almost this... like a bridal veil, right? So, like, mm -hmm. it obscures their face? Okay. Mm -hmm. And Sayer tries to tuck it, and he just says, this completely clashes with everything. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I... Hold on. And they sweep their hands down across their robe and like the silver turns to like a bright glowing crimson. <sighs> Magically all the way down, right? The tresses of their dress bleed into the shadow that they cast behind them. And their shadow turns red as well. Right, I'm still getting used to this whole uh, god power thing. That's okay. I'm still trying to figure out he gestures the entirety of himself. And I think he looks over to see where Abasi is. 
and in quick indication that he's never been at a fucking party before, Sayer puts his fingers to his lips and whistles over to Abasi using, I think, a whistle that he just learned from being amongst the Sky Warriors. <laughs> uh, everyone in your vicinity turns to look at you, and every Sky Warrior in the area turns to look at you, even if they're not near you. And Abasi was at the table, like, holding these two shots, talking to, like, several suitors at once, and turns sharply to look at you. And he just, like, raises, like, uh, a sign to say that he's heading to the dance floor, but he'll stay close to the table. So just, he doesn't want Abasi to just hang around waiting for him, and he's just fucked sure. off somewhere. They're friends. <laughs> he's nicer than that. Sure. You go to the dance floor after whistling. Everyone who's staring at you, some people look rather affronted, you know, and you hear someone go, there is a band, you know, uh, but as you... As you hit the dance floor with Ying He and Toe, people start like looking away from you again. The Sky Warriors like relax <laughs> because I think the whistle was for like someone in distress. Yeah. <laughs> so like not inaccurate. You know, they're at ease now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You hit the dance floor, and it's at that exact moment that Sing kind of paused uh, mid moment with Lumira, and like this nice slow waltz also winds down to a stop as soon as Sayer and Ying He step onto the dance floor. As Sing is saying yet again, something's wrong. Um, and she steps away from you, Lumira, and casts a now worried pink look across this dance floor, and her eyes fall on Sayer, who has just walked on uh, onto the tiles. Sayer, uh, what was that? And her yeah, her brows furrow, seeing Ying He, uh, face covered. Sayer, I need you to make a roll to see how well you've disguised Ying He. So that's gonna be instinct, sharps, or veils. We're gonna go with it. We're gonna go with instinct. Okay. Uh, oh, and what? Yeah, out, what skill? I mean, outwit is the one, right? Yup. I'm gonna need you to roll outwit, and I'm gonna cut two because Ying He. Uh, their shadow keeps wobbling on the ground behind them. They're not very conspicuous now that they're bright crimson. And they keep like tugging at the veil like it's kind of scratchy and uncomfortable on their face. Oh, Connie. I love that you said that because I'm going to use Guide My Hands. Because this is a bond between two people who are exactly alike in the same monstrous way. And he is not paying attention to the world right now. All that matters is Ying He in front of him. So I will gain two ranks in my skills in that for that duration. I will now mark that trait. Okay, go for it. I now have four D6. We cut two. Yep, cutting the All top right. two. Go yep. for it. Oh hell yeah! Okay, so the six, the six is gone. Okay. The five is gone, leaving a five and a three. So that's a conflict. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, because we cut two, we don't get that twist. So that is a success with a drawback. Mm -hmm. So you successfully disguise that this is Yikhe. The drawback, I think. <sighs> oh no. There's a, a frozen moment. As Sing stands there, turns, looks, sees this Ying He, question mark, sees you. Lumira also pauses, turns, looks, sees the two of you. As Sing just goes, I, who's that? Uh, that doesn't matter. There's something seriously wrong. The print isn't even here yet. We need to get Zainan. We need to get a bossy wherever she is because I just have, 
I don't know, I got this really weird feeling and... The northern doors of the banquet hall fly open. Standing at the threshold is an eight foot tall woman with light brown skin, broad shoulders, built like a reef iron warship. And yet she wears what would be a beautiful suit if not for the myriad rips and stains, a sleek black jacket, tailored trousers, polished shoes, and a white collared tunic, unbuttoned all the way down to her navel, revealing a chest and abdomen of hardened muscle with two thick ropes of top surgery scars. Her hair is black and shaggy, but gelled up and out of her face with a kind of polished grace. She looks like a wild lion that's had a comb run through its mane in a suit placed over its deadly form. Her eyes are red, pure, shining, crimson like chips of arterial blood. Her jaw is hard, masculine. Her nose looks like it's been broken twice and welded back together by a doctor who cared more about efficiency than painlessness. The woman carries a person over one shoulder like a sack of rice, like they weigh nothing. And that person is Prin Himsu Hyun, limp and unconscious. Behind this woman is light hot and wavering light, silhouetting her entrance like a sunrise. No, not light. Fire, blood red, hungry fire, burning the Raya to the ground. A smile cracks open the woman's features like the jagged edge of a broken blade. She points with one massive hand toward the shocked crowd in this banquet hall as a single tongue of flame licks up her forearms and she booms in a voice like roaring fire. Abbasi Zahar, scion of body, you're coming with me. Let's dance, baby! This episode was edited by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplaner RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Charles, Cora Eckert, Brooke Bright, River, Chiacres, Lex Slater, Scrofasis, Hat, Alex, Mark J, Lyle and Peanut, Spencer, Brooke in Seattle, Aria, Derek Davidson, Phil, Jordan, Cassidy, and Rose. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds!